Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, my name is Anas and I'll be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the MAG Energy 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you'd like to withdraw your question, please press the star, followed by the two. Thank you. Mr. Derek Evans, CEO, you may begin your conference. Thank you, Ines, and uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us to review Meg Energy's second quarter operating and financial results. In the room with me this morning are Eric Taves, our Chief Financial Officer, Chitak Yi, our Chief Operating Officer, and Lyle Yuzdevsky, our General Counsel and Corporate Secretary. I'd like to remind all of our listeners that this call contains forward-looking information. Please refer to the advisories in our disclosure documents filed on CDAR and on our website. I'll keep my remarks brief today and refer listeners to yesterday's MD&A, financial statements, and press release for more detail. Meg continues to proactively respond to the safety challenges associated with COVID-19 and remains committed to ensuring the health and safety of all our personnel and the safe and reliable operation of the Christina Lake facility. I want to commend our teams for the outstanding diligence and focus that they've exercised in helping to ensure that the health and safety of all our employees and contractors remains a top priority. Make it a strong second quarter from both a financial and operational perspective. On the financial side of the business, we benefited from both the strength in the global oil market dynamic as well as the structural improvement in heavy oil differentials. We remain very constructive that these changes will persevere and that the headwinds we've battled over the last six years with respect to egress and weakness in oil prices will abate and become tailwinds that will continue to drive significant free cash flow flow from our low decline, low cost asset base. On the operational front, the second quarter was another strong quarter for Meg giving us the confidence to increase our full year 2021 production guidance, begin the work to bring the Christina Lake facility back up to full capacity and reinitiate debt reduction. Our strategy remains unchanged. We remain focused on executing on our capital program as efficiently and as effectively as possible, continuing to work on all, all of our cost structures and using free cash flow to reduce debt. Second quarter financial and operating highlights include adjusted funds flow of 166 million or 53 cents per share impacted by a realized commodity price risk management loss of 87 million dollars. Quarterly production volumes of 91,803 barrels per day at a steam oil ratio of 2.39. Net operating costs of $5.54 per barrel including non-energy operating costs of $3.84 per barrel. Power revenue offset energy operating costs by approximately 60% in the quarter, resulting in a net impact of $1.70 per barrel. Sale of non-core industrial lands near Edmonton for cash proceeds of $44 million. 
Total capital investment of $70 million in the quarter directed to sustaining and maintenance capital, resulting in $96 million of free cash flow in the quarter and $153 million of free cash flow in the first half of 2021. In June 2021, Meg, along with four other oil sands operators who collectively represent 90% of Canada's oil sands production, formed the Oil Sands Pathway to Net Zero Alliance to work collectively with the federal and Alberta governments to achieve net zero greenhouse gas emissions from oil sands operations by 2050. Subsequent to the end of the quarter, Meg issued a notice to redeem 100 million US of Meg's 6.5% senior unsecured second lien notes due January 2025. Meg realized an average AWB blend sales price of $56.41 US per barrel during the second quarter of 2021, compared to uh, $48.39 US per barrel in the first quarter. The increase in average AWB blend sales price quarter over quarter was primarily a result of the average WTI price increasing by $8.23 US per barrel. Meg sold 45% of its uh, sales volumes into the premium-priced US Gulf Coast market in the second quarter of 2021, compared to 38% in the first quarter. Inclusive of the non-core $44 million asset sale, Meg generated approximately $200 million of cash in excess of invested capital in the first half of 2021. Of this amount, the corporation will direct an additional $75 million to Meg's 2021 capital investment program. This $75 million of capital investment represents the majority of the estimated $125 million of incremental well capital necessary to allow the corporation to fully utilize the Christina Lake facility's oil processing capacity of approximately 100,000 barrels a day. Prior to any impact from scheduled maintenance activities, turnarounds or outages. The estimated 125 million total cost is less than Meg's previous estimate of 150 million due to year-to-date field-wide production outperformance resulting from increased steam utilization, improved field reliability, and completed an ongoing well optimization and recompletion work. This year-to-date outperformance provides the confidence for the company to increase full-year 2021 average production guidance from 88 to 90,000 barrels a day to 91,000 to 93,000 barrels a day. Meg expects to invest the estimated 50 million of remaining incremental wealth capital required to return the Christina Lake facility to full utilization in the first half of 2022. Based on this level of incremental capital investment, the corporation expects to be able to fully utilize the oil processing capacity at its Christina Lake facility in the second half of 2022, post the planned turnaround at Meg's Phase 2B facility in the second quarter of 2022. Turnaround, which is scheduled for May of 2022, is currently expected to impact full-year 22 uh, production by approximately 5,000 barrels a day. Meg announced yesterday that the corporation has issued a notice uh, to redeem 100 million US of Meg's 6.5% senior secured second lien notes due January 2025 at a redemption price of 103.25% plus accrued and unpaid interest too, but not including the redemption date. Redemption is expected to be completed on or about August 23rd, 2021. 
Based on the current commodity price environment, MEGA anticipates generating approximately $275 million of free cash flow in the second half of 2021, which will be directed to further debt repayment. Based on better-than-expected production performance in the first half of 2021, MEGA is revising its full-year 2021 average production guidance to 91 to 93,000 barrels a day. We're increasing the 2021 capital program by $75 million to a full-year 2021 CapEx budget of $335 million as we add incremental well capital to return the Christina Lake facility to full utilization. GNA expense is now targeted to be in the range of $1.65 to $1.75 a barrel, and non-energy operating costs are now expected to be in the range of $4.40 to $4.60 per barrel. As I bring my remarks to a close, I again want to thank our team at MEG for their commitment, perseverance, and hard work through these exceptionally challenging times. I'm proud of our performance and confident in our ability to continue this momentum throughout 2021. Looking ahead, we remain confident in our ability to continue to execute on our business plan and remain committed to sustainable, innovative, and responsible energy development. We look forward to updating you on our progress in the coming quarters. With that, um, operator uh, will now open the line for questions. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, we now begin the question and answer session. Should you have any questions, please press star followed by one on your touchstone phone. You will hear a three-tone prompt acknowledging your request, and your questions will be polled in the order they are received. Should you wish to decline from the polling process, please press star followed by two. If you're using a speakerphone, please lift your hands up before pressing any keys. One moment for your first question. Your first question comes from Phil Gresh with J.P. Morgan. Please go ahead. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hey, good morning, Derek. Morning, Phil. Um, for, you know, the first question here, just around um, uh, the CapEx plans, uh, is there a way to think about the 2022 CapEx all-in at this point? Um, obviously, you're spending the, the incremental $50 million of the growth capital, which is actually less than this year's $75 million of growth capital, but maybe some color around sustaining CapEx or just all-in thoughts. I know it's a little bit early. 
Um, it is a little bit early, so anything I say has got, you know, major error bars around it. But, you know, Phil, you know, we generally talk about sustaining CapEx starting at about $300 million in any given year. Um, so, uh, you know, I think at, at this stage, and it's very early on, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're really looking at something in that $350 million range. So $300 million is sustaining, plus the incremental 50 that we will need to um, invest as we bring that facility back up to full utilization. Okay, got it. Um, and then on the production side, obviously, you continue to have strong performance this year, and then you're, um, you're going to be... Um, you know, ramping up to the full amount. But I was just curious if through the experiences of this year, if um, if you might actually be able to de-bottleneck even a bit more um, than, you know, than 100,000 barrels a day, given you're already, you know, tweaking up into the low 90s. Um, you know, I, I feel it's a good question. I, a lot of the work that is being done is being done on the field side as opposed to the the facility side. Um, so it's it's really continuing to ensure that we're um, you know getting full utilization of all the steam that we're creating out of the field uh, out of the facility. That would be the facility component, but also making sure that the field's operating um, at as close to 100% reliability and availability as we possibly can. And then, you know, there's a significant component uh, to our production and outperformance that we've seen year to date, which really is, um, you know, continued work on the downhole or subsurface side of the business where we're seeing um, significant improvements um, and some exciting technological innovation. Okay. Um, my last question would just be um, with your free cash flow you're talking about for the second half, um, I think you're pretty rapidly approaching the interim target leverage that you've talked about. So any additional thoughts you'd have on capital deployment opportunities in 2022? You know, I feel like I'm going to take you back to last November when, um, you know, the uh, and how quickly our business changes um, in, in the last six months. Uh, we haven't given a huge amount of thought to where we might be in the middle of next year, which is really what I think you're alluding to, that, you know, we could have enough free cash flow to have met that $500 million U.S. Um, for stopping off point in terms of debt reduction. Um, you know, it, it's, it's important to us uh, you know, obviously to execute on that and, you know, we'll be delighted when we get there. But uh, uh, I think the one thing that I would want our listeners to take away is that we are committed to uh, debt reduction, um, continued debt reduction. And even though we're going to get to that target, that uh, looks a lot sooner than we'd originally thought, you should expect that, you know, incremental free cash flow after that will, there's a disproportionate amount will go towards debt reduction. Okay, that makes sense. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Greg Pardee with RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Good morning. Maybe to follow up a little bit on 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 what Phil's asking, could you could you frame um, what the plan is for the balance of the year, Derek? Maybe just in terms of like you know well pairs. It sounds like all of this is just going to be uh, in the field. You've already got capacity at the plant. So, um, uh, Greg, thanks. Uh, thanks for the question. It's it's really business as usual, and um, you know it'll be more well pairs. All of this work, uh, you know, the two B two X 
facility is now up and running. Uh, so we've got uh, you know our incremental boiler capacity um, and the steam, and we're now going to utilize that um, uh, steam on uh, you know, to help us get back to that uh, full facility utilization on the oil production side of 100,000 barrels a day. So. Um, all of the work now is really directed towards um, incremental well pads. Okay, terrific. And then with, uh, let's just assume line three is on at the end of the year. What does, are, is the expectation then that you'll be able to fully utilize your, your access to the Gulf Coast next year on Flanagan? You know, it, well, why don't I let Eric take that one? Yeah, Greg, I think once once line three comes on, we expect apportionment to be less than 20%. That's sort of a consistent message we've had. Um, you know, what that is under 20%, um, don't know, but that would be the application against 100,000 barrels a day, and, and our plan remains to get as many barrels as we can down to the Gulf Coast. Um, you know, we're still making a premium dollar on those. We're, so we're selling in Edmonton, so um, we will continue to get work to get as many barrels as we can down to the Gulf Coast. Okay, and last um last question for me is is you know obviously the you know big announcement with pathways to net zero uh there's a consultation period going on you know you make us a part of this this quintet just any thoughts uh around that process what this means pretty open-ended question but interested so um you know, this is an unprecedented alliance among uh, five oil sands companies that represent 90% of the production, um, but it's not just the oil companies. Uh, this alliance is working collectively with both the federal and the provincial governments to try and get, um, you know, carbon capture and storage and greenhouse gas emissions reductions, 68 million tons per annum of CO2 sequestered or um, abated um, by 2050. Um, big deal, um, huge project, unprecedented level of um, sort of commitment and working together collaboratively to, to make this happen. The first stage of this is a um, very important enabling piece of infrastructure, a 400-kilometer pipeline from Fort McMurray all the way down to uh, Cold Lake, where um, the sequestration of this uh, CO2 is, is, is going to happen. Um, it's, it, this is a bold plan. It's bold action. And I, I would, I, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, we all believe, I, I'm speaking for everybody that's involved in this, um, alliance is something that we need to get done and get done as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, it'll be very exciting to um, get this first stage of this project up and running with this enabling pipeline and, um, um, and storage facility. Okay, terrific. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We have a following question from Neil Macha with Goldman Sachs. Neil, please go ahead. Good morning, guys, uh, and congrats on a strong start to the year. So I, I just wanted to build on uh, the question around uh, the Western Canadian uh, oil macro. How do you think about differentials, Derek, as you get into 2022? You have a bunch of OPEC barrels coming back as the market, but at the same time, you have line three. Um, do you see the curve as relatively fairly priced? And then to build on that on the flat price broadly, do you think about how do you think about hedging 22? The curve is decently backwardated here, um, but how do, how do you think about uh, uh, managing risk? 
And Neil, thank you for those questions. I'm going to ask um, Eric Taves to uh, take both of those. Hey, good morning, Neil. Um, just first on the hedging piece, as Derek said, we're refining our 2022 sustained capital. And, and when we look at the supply demand fundamentals for 2022, our current intention right now is not to hedge 2022 benchmark WTI prices. Um, and on the, uh, the differential side, um, you know, the, uh, I guess talk about the current, differ current differentials and the current apportionment on the main line. Uh, which we'll get to the point about the 2022. Uh, we saw in August 54% apportionment on the main line. That's actually, as far as we know, a record apportionment on the main line. Um, what's interesting about that, though, is uh, inventories in Western Canada, uh, you know, went down in May from 38 million barrels down to 35 million barrels. Uh, rail is running less than 100,000 barrels a day, um, and the post-apportionment market in August is, is uh, trending sort of below two dollars off the index, which is at the low end of sort of the historical range of post-apportionment um, pricing. So um, when, we, when we think about differential, what, you, what you're seeing in the market is, is the pricing uh, in Edmonton versus the Gulf Coast is still within pipeline economics, um, which makes sense given the narrative I just went through. As we move through this year, um, you know, we sort of see differentials for the back end of this year at that $13.50 to $14 in Edmonton. That's WCS differential. You know? Um, and then as we go into, go into next year with line three coming on in Q4, which is our expectation, we, we, uh, we expect um, a portion to drop below 20%. So we would see differ differentials should tighten against uh, what we're seeing for the back end of this year. But your point about um, the Saudi barrels coming on, um, you know, a lot of that's going to be heavy. So we would expect to see uh, differentials maybe uh, gap up a little, maybe a, maybe a dollar, dollar twenty-five on the back of that. So net net, we still see differentials in 2022 in that sort of thirteen to fourteen dollar range. That's great. And then just following up on Greg's question about decarbonization here, um, one of the areas that seems like it could be particularly successful in Western Canada would be carbon capture and sequestration. Can you talk specifically about whether that's an opportunity for Meg? And as you think about financing any projects, is it best to be done within uh, your existing house or is the optimal financing structure uh, a tracking company or an independent company uh, outside of uh, uh, Meg, if that makes sense, Derek? Um, uh, very interesting question. Um, let me start with the first part. Carbon capture and storage um, is the single biggest lever we have to decarbonize today. Um, Neil, you're familiar with you know, Meg's um, history in um, uh, reducing intensity, greenhouse gas intensity, and our sort of leading um, sector performance in that regard. You should expect that as we start to look at finding ways to decarbonize that that same sort of innovation um, and execution will prevail and uh, we will be finding, looking and finding ways to do that cheaper and faster uh, you know, as, as we get this enabling piece of infrastructure, uh, the, the pipeline from Cold Lake down to, or from Fort McMurray down to Cold Lake and the sequestration facility in place. The, um, yeah, it's, there's there's lots of challenges around uh, the financing of uh, this the, uh, the sequestration not the sequestration but the capture part is the most expensive part of this and you know we have yet to look at what the most optimal way of financing this is I, you know I'd, I'd say 
we're looking and hoping for some degree of support from both uh, federal and provincial governments to um, help us get started and up the um, up the learning curve on this. But uh, you know, it may make sense for us to um, use a different vehicle that will be able to attract green financing um, to the sequestration part of this, as opposed to um, utilizing uh, the existing MEG sort of uh, capital structure. All right, well, stay tuned. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Dennis Fong with CIBC. Dennis, please go ahead. Good morning, and thanks for taking my question. Uh, maybe just to follow along the lines of what Phil Gresh was uh, discussing at the very beginning of the, the question period, um, when we think about uh, the focus on debt repayment, how should we be thinking about the potential, I guess, immediate allocation towards repaying additional tranches of your term debt, um, especially as we think about free cash flow allocation uh, beyond the end of this year into 22 and beyond? I have a, I have a follow-up. Uh, Dennis, it's uh, Eric Tay speaking. Um, the way we've been pretty consistent with the messaging around that, and what we look at is a number of things with respect to debt repayment. Uh, firstly, how restrictive the covenants are. Secondly, the term of the debt, and uh, uh, thirdly, the price of the debt. So I think you'll see us continue to do that as we look at debt, further debt repayment. Great. And then uh, just maybe on Derek's comments with respect to some of the improvements that you're seeing in uh, well performance as well as the focus on downfall optimization. Can you maybe talk towards how that could potentially impact uh, sustaining CapEx costs, especially as we look um, into the back half of next year once you've ramped back up to 100,000 barrels a day? I know you indicated around $300 million is the number that you have uh, prescribed as, as being traditional sustaining CapEx, but can you maybe discuss some of the items that could drive that number potentially lower, especially with some of the well performance that you're seeing more recently with the optimizations that you've seen kind of at the beginning of this year? So um, I'm going to ask Chitak to talk a little bit about the optimization work that we've been doing um, and, you know, whether that's going to grow or, uh, but, you know, and, and then I'll jump on and talk about how we're going to, you know, how that's going to impact macro at, at, at the sustaining capital level. Yeah, good morning. Chitaki um, here. So the, a few things that really got us the, the better production this year, and, and Eric, I think, spoke to most of them already. Um, the, the main thing, obviously, we have a very good um, uh, plan reliability this, uh, uh, this year, as well as well. Um, the uptime has, has been quite strong. Um, the other thing that, that we spend a lot of time is, is to work on the downhole aspect of these wells. Uh, as you know, these, these wells are very long. So the real key part is to get the whole well uh, contributing to the production. And we've been doing a fair bit of work, both on the uh, producer and also on the injector, to, to optimize that uh, production and, and the steam injection uh, performance. And, and we're also trying some newer completion technique for, for some of the new wells going forward and try to promote that uh, type of, of performance, the realm of performance even faster than, than we have seen historically. Um, so that, that obviously have implication on, you know, how many well-pairs we need going forward on, on a capital sense. Um, you want to comment on the, okay, go ahead. Sure, um, thanks, Chitak. So, uh, you know, as we think about this, 
notional $300 million that, uh, you know, we, we is, is our sustaining CapEx. There's a lot of puts and takes in it. So I think what Chitax talked to and provided you some color on is, you know, some excellent work that we're doing on the subsurface side, ensuring that we're spreading the steam as, um, as uniformly across the reservoir and, um, you know, improving that, not only the rates, but the recovery factor. The one big piece, though, uh, that uh, we need to be thinking about um, and are spending some time working on is really the, the inflation impact. Um, you know, as we drive forward, we're seeing services um, uh, starting to, uh, the cost of services increasing. Um, and we think that the, um, the potential impact for inflation will have a much bigger impact on that $300 million uh, sustaining capital program that, uh, yeah, than you know, some of the, the improvements that we're making. So currently we're estimating it somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, potentially 10% of the, of the capital program. So we're trying to refine that number, but uh, that is going to be one of the big drivers that we haven't seen for a long time yet. Uh, as, as we move forward next year. Great. I really appreciate the color. Thank you very much. Thanks, Dennis. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Evans, you may proceed. Thank you very much, Operator, and thank you everyone who uh, joined us on the call this morning. Um, hope you all have a great day, uh, a great weekend, and enjoy the remaining summer. And we look forward to updating you Again, on our progress um, at our, our next conference call with the, or with the release of our third quarter results. Take care, everybody. Be safe. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes your conference call for today. We thank you for participating and ask that you please disconnect the lines. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.